1: They were our team sponsor. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey,
2: imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try Ad today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com
0: forward slash adhub. That's S P R E A K E R.com forward slash adhub. And start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way.
3: Hello and welcome to the Midweek Fix with me Jamie Home after what has been one of the most eventful weeks within football. Uh, with the news of the proposed Super League sending shockwaves across the world of football. So we've got lots to discuss tonight and delighted to say that joining me and Keith to discuss the fallout from the now collapsed Super League and the potential damage it has done to the FSG brand of football writers Daniel Storey and Dion Fanning. Now, before we bring the lads in, a quick shout out to our sponsor, footballprizes.co.uk, who have a signed and framed Jordan Henderson montage, including a Champions League winner's medal replica. If you want to be in the chance of winning, it's 4 95 to enter. There are only 66 tickets available and the offer ends next Wednesday. Now... Keith, I'm gonna to come to you first, mate. Um yeah. how would you sum up the last few days, not only as a Liverpool fan, but as a football fan? It's fair to say it's probably been action-packed.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been box office, hasn't it? It's 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 been all go. And um, we'll come to the lads in a second. I'm sure those the boys were flat out with it. Even just them as, up right again. <laughs> yeah, even just as fans, like to, to see it all unfolding, um there was a sense of theatre about, you know, there's a, a UEFA announcement of a new format to the Champions League coming out. And next thing, this bomb drops that, that 12 clubs are breaking away to form a Super League. And it, it went as expected, you know. It, it went like a lead balloon. And the fallout it hasn't really been surprising because the whole thing to me just seemed rushed. It seemed like there was no... Um, it seemed like there was no, no planning to it. It was like UEFA were getting their uh, plans out and the boys had to jump in and say, well, this is what we're going to do. And, and it just felt, it felt like it was very rushed in how you are getting it. Because we'll touch on some of the points that were raised and, and the merits of of a breakaway league or of a, a UEFA Monopoly. But the way it came out was just wrong. And it was, how, they, how did, look, it, six Premier League clubs are the ones getting all the heat on this. But how they thought that they could just pull away and form a new league in Europe, after Project Big Picture and the blowback they had off that was just a bit it was a bit staggering to think that was going to happen. So very curious to very curious to see what the lads made of it. But for a fan just sitting watching it, it was a bit jaw dropping at times.
3: It's a, it's a nice segue and I'm going to come to you first, Daniel, because we were we were talking a little bit before before we went live and, and I'm sure Dion's the same it's been uh, Nearly sleepless nights for, for you, lads. As you said, the, the news nearly broke 11 o'clock every night, uh, which was causing late nights for yourself. I mean, as a, as a journalist, uh, what was your reaction as you started to see some of this news filter through?
0: I don't know if it's possible to be both simultaneously shocked and entirely unsurprised, but that's kind of where I was at. I was kind of shocked that shocked at the extent of the arrangements um kind of the duplicity of, of those individuals who who were involved and had, had had misled other parties about their intentions for it seemingly for the for the previous few weeks. Shocked at the kind of scale of it all and the, the kind of balls of what was being suggested and and shocked too that it was clearly so owner and purely owner-led. Uh, and shocked that that they they deigned to use the pandemic as a as a handy excuse for for their plans. But also entirely unsurprised because I think this is a plan that has been suggested before um not to this extent and with this organization and the organization is was then in doubt because of of how quickly it all fell apart but i I think the the plans were were, were more detailed than we've ever heard before um and unsurprised because i I don't think it comes as a surprise to any football writer or journalist that those richest clubs want to seek a method of protecting their revenue from everyone else.
3: Are you similar, Dion? Did you say, is, is it not a great surprise for you to see? Obviously, the speed at which the news broke—I think you know—I don't think anybody was kind of expecting it. Uh, but is this something that you think's been coming for a while now?
2: Yeah, but I—I I, I guess it's been coming for a while. Whilst also simultaneously, a bit like Daniel says, but also simultaneously, never thinking it's actually going to reach the stage it, it reached on sunday night because even on sunday uh I, I you know nobody would have i don't think anyone would have been surprised if on sunday it just was left in the ether somewhere that the clubs there was breakaway clubs or they backed down or there was never saying so when when the next step of it was taken when they actually uh all came out with their statements and said they were they were they were part of the super league That was um, a bit stunning. Uh, The fact then that, you know, so soon after that, it all seemed to be so badly thought thought through. And, you know, and now looking back at it, there are certain things you look at and you think, why were certain things not done from the point of view of actually selling this, getting, you know, putting to one side the rights and wrongs of it for a second but there's there's immediately three or four or five things you think of you could be doing or you could be getting out in front of rather than rather than it being a la- like even a very small thing i think the fact that it all came out on a sunday and sky sports were broadcasting all day sunday and own this story and gary neville went viral with this story and all these little things and, okay the story came out in on, on a newspaper report on sunday morning but if you're really planning that, you think about where, how are we going to control this? We're not going to be out, the story isn't going to be out of our control before we mm. even announce it. And it was, like they'd completely lost control of the story because um, Gary Neville, Sky Sports, who aren't uninterested parties, uh, let's let's be honest about that. Like, I did find one of the parallel amusements of the whole thing, like the the unbelievable sanctimony uh and uh self-righteousness was, was was very amusing like it was actually very amusing and like you know every minute you would see some some line that would actually just ratchet that up even more like you know m- one of the my favorites being that Roman Abramovich must remember where he came from and <laughs> do the right thing. Um like you know this was this was stuff that was being said so uh, but no, like to go back to it, that's how I felt looking at it, that this is actually going ahead. Um, and then just a kind of fascination, like a morbid fascination with the whole thing. I think probably even more than outrage, just this kind of fascination at like, uh, like what, what are they actually thinking here? And because their message I felt was so bad, um, it was doomed.
3: Yeah, it's 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 funny because we're we're definitely we're getting a lot of comments in the chat around FSG and and Dion you touched on it there about Sky uh, we're definitely going to touch on all of these things. Um it it it's certainly split opinion. Uh, FSG have certainly created a stir. Um I know me and you Keith have have slightly different views which is which is good. Um one thing I want to come to you on on that Keith. Do you playing devil's advocate here and off the back of what the lads were saying, do you think it's fair that bigger clubs who are driving, you know, the, uh, more subscriptions, uh, they're driving greater views globally, um, are pushing to ask for a fairer, or, or I would say lion's share of, of the wealth
1: yeah it's a hard one Jamie isn't it because you know people think the big clubs are being greedy for making a play for extra money but they're the ones that that generate the revenue and you know they're not looking to take it from the fans they're looking to to, to get more control of it Um you, you can you can see some of the the reasoning for them wanting to do it but it was the execution that, that really does let them down. It was it was how they went about it and to look for um an increase, you know, Liverpool with as Liverpool fans, you know, we've been keeping an eye on the the investment by Jerry Cardinal and Redboard and that and, and how he's looking to get, you know, his end game was the sort of subscription TV and nearly like a Netflix-type uh, style for football and all that sort of stuff. And you can see where they're looking to go with these things. But to go up against... They seem to be taking on too many um, parties. It wasn't going up against one person it was it was too big of a fight for them to, to to jump at you know we saw as we touched on earlier about the project big picture you know they went the big six in the premier league well and a couple of others went up against the premier league and had blowback on that so how they thought it was going to go against the whole of europe and again the premier league and not even the premier league the lower league you know it, if you're a businessman, which these people are, they think business first. And they're not, I suppose, thinking of the fans. They're looking at, how can we maximize our product? Fans hate hearing that. How can we maximize the revenue for our product? And this was their their gambit. It was, it was what they wanted to do. It's, it's a move that they made, but they got it so wrong. And, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of the actual plan, you know, probably, that probably does have a bit bits of merit to it, but just the way they went about it, they they left themselves too too open for for arrows to get thrown back at them.
3: Daniel, talking about the way they went about it, the one thing. You know, whether it's in business, whether it's in sports, the, the key from good leaders in my experience is communication, open communication. Um, I just can't for the life of me. And I've always, you know, look, don't get me wrong. I think FSG have done a, a good job on the whole. I think they've made errors. Um, but I just can't for one second forgive the fact that they have uh, made this decision without informing the manager it looks like Billy Hogan wasn't informed. Uh, based on the the statement today, there was no type of sense check done with the fans. If there was, they would know very very quickly that this isn't this isn't going to fly. Surely, for a decision of this magnitude, they do some type of pulse check. How could the owners have got this so wrong? I just I can't
0: I can't believe it. I mean, I think the honest answer is that they they wanted um, they knew that the fan reaction would. Would be poor. Um, this is not the first time that that John Henry and F- FSG have have made serious missteps um, that has led to blowback from supporters and that forced change. You know, you talk about the furloughing, you talk about trying to trademark the name Liverpool, and this is this is bigger than that. But it's in the same step. And and my biggest problem with with his apology was that to me, sorry doesn't mean. Uh, I shouldn't have done this thing. Sorry means I shouldn't have done this thing, and I won't do it again. And and yet it isn't the first time that something like this has happened. So you have to kind of worry about the the gen, you know the you know the genuineness of the of the apology. Um, there are three options in terms of not bothering to consult the fans There's, or not bothering to kind of understand where the fans would be at. The, the first is that um, they don't haven't bothered to try. Um, The second is that they don't care enough to try. And the third, which is perhaps the most dispiriting and and sadly, I suspect is probably the case, is that they understand perfectly where the fans are at.
1: It's just that 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever
2: someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could
1: save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it. Because we would only hit home runs, annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico, yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.
0: They don't, see, they don't see that as a, re- a thing to cherish. They see that as a thing to be able to exploit for financial gain, and. If indeed, you know, FSG and John Henry and the owners of the other clubs, we should say, if they do sit anywhere near that third point, then firstly, it's hard to see how these relationships are fixed between supporters and owners. And secondly, it's hard not to see that a form of this Super League, although I don't think it'll be this because I think they've been scared off, a form of this comes back again because I, I don't think they they've given up trying to maximize their revenue and i think they think that fans are absolutely ripe for exploitation on that because they believe that they will continue to you know to to love their club and therefore through no fault of their own by loving their club and by wanting to support them they're kind of giving a tack, kind of tacit uh, vindication of what those owners are trying to do i, th- I think another thing that that really
3: uh, hurt me from a from a football perspective now, apart from all the noise and obviously the business side, which you know people uh people be- are becoming very well versed over over the last forty eight hours, the football sense of it, Liverpool had a football match against Leeds that actually had a real uh, a consequence or so we believed uh, until we thought Liverpool, you know were 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 ultimately going to qualify for European competition, irrelevant of that game, you know going into that Dion if you look at that from a football perspective. A manager has had to front up to cam- cameras. The players have had to take the brunt of angry Leeds fans. They've had to answer questions to, uh, and give answers that they don't even know the full context. And then there was silence from the powers that be, for, in my opinion, for far too long. And I think it's, I think it's very poor form that they've put Klopp in that position, the players in that position, and they stayed silent for far too long.
2: Yeah um well I did think that uh, of all the things that the fans might find it hard to forgive FSG for in this whole thing if when you saw Klopp's interview beforehand especially I know he was a little bit his tone was a little different afterwards but the idea that actually FSG could be responsible for Klopp leaving in the summer because of this uh, I think that would be the that would be the thing that would would truly sever and, and and finish them finish them with supporters and that did look uh, some somehow possible especially as I say don't say it out loud game. he's never leaving he's never but, leaving but that, that, don't that, say that, that to was me. but that was that was what what it what it felt like and uh but I guess they were thinking um but again this comes back to uh the sort of the lack of of planning about it because john henry isn't stupid like he isn't there are, there are people involved in this who are stupid but john henry isn't one of them like he isn't uh a stupid person and the idea that just that that there was nothing put out there like that all the the only the way this was portrayed from the go, which it was you know the 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 power grab the 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 the, the uh, elimination of competition all these things but the fact that there was no softening if you like there was no suggestion like it, it appeared in the statement but it was too late by then There's some idea of you know you know fair, fair prices for tickets like if they if 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 there'd been a 3 month camp- soft campaign or a 6 week soft campaign uh highlighting UEFA's flaws. And like, this is the thing Like Daniel talks about the Super League coming back, which is a possibility, but like what we're left with at the moment is a Swiss model, uh, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Nobody is going to march on the streets about the Swiss model and they should march on the streets about the Swiss model. Cause it's a, it's a monstrous competition. What the, what the champions league is going to like, it pr- pr- protects the European football pyramid just about, but in every other way, it's a, it's a terrible thing that is just is going to be introduced on the back of this uh, as a sort of a, as a, as a concession to the big clubs, but just a, a unwieldy competition. And I I would have looked at if you remove the competition element, the idea of a super of a, of a league, a straightforward league, would be more attractive than the Swiss model. But that's another. Anyway, that the point about that is again, it just highlights this, that none of this was none of this groundwork was laid beforehand, and so you have this situation where you know Olegun or are on Sunday, Klopp on on Monday, they're coming out and they're having to do uh, take the brunt of this. Now they can handle it, but it's it doesn't it, it really doesn't do any good for the sense of a club that is adrift. Uh, and isn't really listening to, to supporters,
3: Keith. Am I am I going to put you on the spot here? In fact, that yeah, I am going to put you on the spot. Uh, you said to me today that you are in favour of a version of Super League. Can I ask you what version you, in your head when you think that you know? Because I think we're all long in the tooth to know that this probably isn't going to go away. It's going to come back in some shape or form, whether it's in the near future or the uh, you know the the distant future. This hasn't finished. When you think of how this could potentially work, what vision do you have
1: in your head? Well, it's hard, Jamie, because it's something that's been around. I think Florentino Perez tried this about 10 years ago. He tried to pull the Super League out as well. So Perez has previous in trying to get this wrestling away from, wrestling the power away from UEFA. It's not going to go away. When I say I wouldn't mind the version of the Super League, it can't be the version they put forward where it's a closed shop, where there's... To 14, or 15 teams guaranteed into it every year and they'll look at it in 23 years I mean Spurs must have been rubbing their hands at the, the thought that they were somehow they, got a, they got a rough
3: ride Spurs with all, with all this to be fair but you know they? what
1: their, their statement they came out and said uh, look we didn't want to miss the boat if this goes ahead and I think a lot of them were thinking that you know if this does kick off we don't want to be on the moral high ground saying no we'll take the We'll 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 take the moral stand here and be left behind, and that's why I think there was a lot of fear by the clubs. But I just think the Super League football is always an evolution, you know. From 30 years ago, Sky the Premier League comes in, it changed English football for. some say for the better, some say for the worse. The Champions League at the same time gets reformed and opens the doors for, you know, monopolies from countries where you're getting, right, the four season I think was still one team per country, but as it went on, they are increasing the numbers, so the smaller nations were start to getting filtered out, so it's been building up and building up, and now you see the new plans of UEFA where you know, teams, if your coefficient is good, your league position won't matter, you'll still get Get invited in, you know, it's a crazy setup so it's it's not too much different than what the, the Super League were planning, but it was just a close-up element of it that I was against. If they could deal with tiered system even where you know, there's two there's enough places for enough countries and it's not just England, Spain Italy, Germany, France I know the Germ- uh, the Germans sort of declined and Paris Saint-Germain, they're heavily tied in with UEFA, so that's probably why they weren't invited to the party, but you knew the teams that were they were looking to get. You know, even big big clubs like Ajax, you know, Benfica, Porto, you know, things like that that maybe aren't as big as they once were but are still big, weren't invited to the party. So you don't know how they would have opened her up. I just think they they went about the close shop, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But I just think UEFA, people are jumping up on the high horse from UEFA, from Sky, from the Premier League, you know, it's one group of millionaire billionaires fighting with another group of billionaires to control who exploits the fans. And that's what it came down to at the end. So we wouldn't mind a new bunch of billionaires exploiting <laughs> us for a few years rather than the, the same ones all over again. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. Do you know what I mean? We'll stick with our kidnappers because they gave us food and water for a while. <laughs> so that's just my stand. I just want the new face running it.
3: There's, there's one term that's stuck out to me and it's left a bitter taste and it's come up in the comments a number of times already. And I'll come to you on it, Daniel, legacy fans. Now, uh, one thing that struck me with, with this, so you've got the heart and the head, uh, you know, and I've been a football fan my whole life. It's, you know, other than the missus and kids, it still is me, still is my life. Um, but at the same time I, I understand to a certain level how global businesses would work and how they're looking to scale their investments and, and 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 those type of things. So the question I want to ask you is: is it unrealistic to think that you can run a global football club being able to, to maximize profits? But also being able to retain, I suppose, and please that kind of local core fan base, and this is where that term "legacy fans" has kind of been thrown about, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know that you know these these billionaire owners, these American owners that have come in, they ultimately don't care about those kind of legacy fans. They're about kind of bringing in the new the new age fan that's going to give them subscriptions for the long term. Do you think it's unrealistic now to be able to balance that kind of global and local elements at the same time?
0: I don't think it is unrealistic because I think that should be the aim of every club. In a a league like the Premier League, or certainly in the top half of the Premier League, where the exposure of the league is so great that you can attract new audiences, you can have revenue streams in every corner of the globe. I think that should be the aim. Um, But what the last 48 hours have shown us is that their kind of disdain for for what they call legacy fans and what we call you know match going or local supporters is um you know they they massively underestimated the power of them when they come together and i think in 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 england we are we are terrible at um coming together to to protest and unite on things partly i think it's because of the rise of tribalism partly i think it's because we just have this kind of weariness that we won't be able to do anything about it what the last 48 hours have shown is that we can do something about it you know that they didn't only change their minds because fans protested but that was a strong you know that that negative pr was a huge part of of them crawling back uh, and i don't think it you know i don't think it is impossible to do that. You look at a club like Leicester City, who are not a global club yet, but they have an owner who is is non-English and who um, gave hugely to help hugely in the community while he was there. And then after the tragedy of his death, his family continued to do that. And you'll struggle to speak to a Leicester supporter who has something bad to say about the owners. Now, if Leicester win the league, or finishing the top four for the next three seasons they may well see themselves as having a chance to go and be a global force by which i mean increasing their revenue streams abroad but if at that point they undid all the good work they'd done with their local supporters they'd be idiots they'd be stupid because they have to coexist together you can't have empty stadium empty stadiums and still sell the product around the world and you can can't have a full stadium and do nothing about outside of that stadium in terms of generating revenue and hope to be successful. So they have to work together. And I, I, Dion said earlier, like, some of the people involved in this are stupid. And yeah, you do think that. It sounds really trite to say it, but you do think that. Because how they thought that they could just kind of walk this through without, well, t- treating local supporters with such disdain like support, Some support, Liverpool supporters might have been up for this. If they've had three months of canvassing them and getting their opinions and, like Dion says, a kind of soft launch, they might have been up for that. But they completely ruined that by kind of just going, well, it's, it's only our own supporters. They're idiots. They'll pay. They'll pay come what may. Supporters always do. And they're, they're treating you like fools. And what the last 48 hours showed is that there is a biting point where people will say, you can't treat me like that anymore. I will kick up a fuss. And, and on a personal view, it's absolutely brilliant to see.
2: I don't think I see the thing is I don't think that there's any bunch of fans are not treating like fools because if you look upon it, if you look at it, like every analysis of it is, oh, young fans don't have the attention span. The local fans, we can, we don't need to do about that. And it 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 basically comes down to this is a a, this is this is a a phenomenon across all uh, industries is that people use 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 their own inability to actually get something done and they blame it somehow on some deficiency in like I, and as, as I'm talking across all businesses I'll say customer they they blame it on some deficiency on the customer that means they're not uh they're not actually engaging with the thing they're trying to sell them and that's not the case like that is not the case in football this idea that the young people's you know that the attention span or whatever I, I, um is changing I, that is not that is not the problem for for football but it, it was a convenient problem and it allows you to create a bit of noise and allows you to justify what you were doing in terms of something radical and then you know Per is talking about you know having shorter matches and all this kind of stuff it's it's just it, again it's just gimmicks designed to uh to kind of to justify and it's almost and as act as a diversion for any kind of Radical, but in in this case, kind of radical but stupid uh, idea, or or not thought out idea, and I think that's what. So I don't think any fans were being treated with respect. I don't, and I think it had that sense, um, you know, of but what do people like? People love it when when they think that what the people want is something kind of dumber. Because then they can; it's easier for them to deliver it. Oh yeah, all they want is to see the big stars playing every week. I know how we can do that. Um, And it all—I always come like that Henry Ford line, if that he said, if I had when you know when he before he invented the Ford Model T, if he said if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And that, (laughs) and that was, and that's, and that's what so many kind of bad decisions are based on it is the people are telling me what we, th- they want. And I, I am too fearful and I am too fearful a person to actually do anything, except, accept the low. And this is, again, and I, I, this applies to everything. This applies to media. It applies to every uh, business, but it is just, I am too fearful to do anything than to just hesitantly sort of say, let's give them what they want. And then, we we'll see if we can get away with that, but it's not it's not a brave, it's not a it's not a it's not an imaginative way of looking at it, and that's one of the things that this super league kind of lacks is uh, it's a kind of a failure of imagination. It's like let's just get everyone as as uh, let's just get everyone as as famous as possible in the world of football together forever, and they will never mm-hmm. be apart, and that will succeed. <laughs>
3: if if you, if you look at Barry's comment there he he leads me on to my next point where he he said that sky took away our beautiful game uh sky took away our beautiful game um and and made it i suppose unattainable and unviewable uh, uh unwatchable for for the youth and that kind of leads me on to my next point and I'll come to you on this one Keith because i think one thing is the narrative that has come out um uh, around this is that sky are in some way the good guys in all of this. And that I, I fundamentally have a problem with that for lots of different reasons that I could probably spend 45 minutes going into, but you know, this idea that, you know, whether it's Sky, UEFA, FIFA, uh, the premier league, they're all as bad as each other. And they're surely all operating within their own self-interest.
1: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they are, uh one of the things that got my back up was Gary Neville Um and the amount of Liverpool fans that were nearly wanting to build a statue of Gary Neville and put it outside <laughs> Anfield after he'd he done his little speech the other day and look, Gary Neville he has skin in the foot, you know, he's the chief, he's the face of football at Sky Sports, he doesn't want anything to affect the Premier League. Now look he, deep down he's a decent fella, Gary Neville I'm sure he is It. you know he, he, his intentions are good but it, it became a case of the good guys at Sky and Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville and Graham Souness was involved, and it became the the good guys at Sky in the Premier League against the bad the bad guys of the billionaire owners, and that was something you know Sky were painted out as this this paragon of virtue nearly in the whole thing when it's it's not the case, you know. The, I'm not saying Sky killed football, but you know the, this you let the sharks into the pool and. It's gonna eventually end up like this. You know, thirty years ago, the Premier League, it was all about build it, build it, build it, build it, and the money just got obscene. It's getting up it's still going getting obscene now. And it was always gonna come to this. You have billionaires, it's not millionaires, it's billionaire owners, it's it's you know, shrewd businessmen, it's it's cutthroat, rootless businessmen that are running the clubs now. It's not the local um boy done good, you know, Jack Walker story or anything. Owning clubs anymore. It's and I know Daniel touched on Leicester and even your own club, Daniel, Nottingham Forest. um, They've a Greek owner, isn't Um, Mm -hmm. it? Owns Olympiacos as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, And and they, you know, that they're looking at clubs at that level, at Championship level, to see who can they who can they buy because they know where the money is. So it's it's big money even coming in at that level. It's hard to to go up against these guys. But one thing I do want to say, you know, all the, the, you know, Sky this, and Daniel touched on about the fans getting together was a huge thing. Do you think the, the talk of government legislation into the Premier League, do you think that's going to go anywhere? Or was that just lip service being paid to this situation? Do you think there is anything in that, that the government will look to maybe get on top of the the football in England because, you know, at the moment it's, it's just out of control.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about, if we're adding people to, to not the good guys narrative, we probably Mm -hmm. should talk about the government because they, they, I just well they've announced a fan-led governmental review which has been in the pipeline for for 2 or 3 years and has been campaigned for by fans and therefore that should be celebrated but yeah. let's not be be silly here the the government were were spooked by the fact that the premier league is one of if not the most successful in terms of global pr in export that the that the uk has uh, and yeah. i think they were they were spooked and they were blindsided by the fact that this could happen and I suspect they will try and bring into into law um, a mechanism to stop a repeat of this. Um, I hope that the FAN-led governmental review leads to enforced supporter representation on on boards. Um, you know, it's never going to be a, a, the German model, I don't think. I think you can only do that from a standing start. I don't think you can do that at this point. Uh, but I think you can have a, an enforced Fan representation on boards, I think that would be brilliant. Um, and per, this is only a personal view, but I would rather this leads to a conversation about how fans can feel empowered within the game more than punishing the clubs involved. Um, I think that's a far more sensible and um, meaningful point of progression from here is to find a way that um, we can not just escape from the Super League, which I think would have been awful, but also. End up you know further ahead of the starting line than we were on Sunday morning, which would be a, a brilliant ending to a pretty sorry situation. Dion, I want to come to you because
3: there was, and then we're going to dive a little bit into to FSG because there's been so many FSG comments uh, coming through. It it would be it would be remiss not to to touch on them in a little bit more detail. But I want to come to you on on a comment. And somebody actually referenced it earlier in the comments. They said um, John Barnes was interviewed this morning, um, and he made a a really interesting uh, comment that I hadn't really thought about it this way. He said. Often the, the kind of narrative when these owners, uh, you know, these uh, foreign owners, American owners were coming in uh, to take over uh, at a, ver- a variety of clubs. The kind of the, the narrative coming out was that they needed to understand football. These businessmen needed to, to, to understand football. John Bert Barnes made the point today that in reality, it's actually the other way around in that once they come in, these big owners, uh, you know, these, these American owners, for example. It's actually the fans that need to understand big business. It was an interesting concept. Do you think that that's fair? Do you think that we need to, as fans, start adapting to the the kind of the business speak and the business approach rather than the, the kind of heart-led football fan approach? No. Um,
2: Good man. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, no, for, for lots of reasons. Because I, I think on, on, a, on a very simple level first of all i think there are so many um different versions of different businesses different business models involved even among the 12 clubs like this is one of the reasons i think it didn't it didn't succeed like who were the two clubs that that left from the english clubs first chelsea and manchester city both clubs who actually don't really have a huge need to make any money from football um, so they're not all businesses like Liverpool need to make FSG want to make money from Liverpool. They wanted to sustain itself somehow because that's the only way they can actually succeed. And they need and one of the reasons this is happening is because financial fair play hasn't worked. Um, but there, there, there are no, there is no. This isn't and also big business. Like again, I, I, I you know, the, the, these aren't massive business. This isn't Google. These clubs aren't Google. These aren't Apple. Like they're pretty small businesses. Really, um, the reason they have such power and such weight, the British government would not get involved in, uh, like you know, whatever I can't remember the whatever the the statistics are, but you know, a, a, a Tesco superstore um, in in a, in a in a in a big city has a kind of revenue the size of a of a Premier League club. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's they're not massive. Massive businesses—they are massive because of the emotional attachment that people have to them. That's what it is emotional about them. If if Tesco were, were doing something with with with, a, with with a with a supermarket somewhere, Boris Johnson wouldn't be talking about it. Keir Starmer wouldn't be talking about it. They're talking about it because of what of the emotion it it brings and the emotion that uh, it.
0: and
2: it engenders in people. I think what fans need to do is to actually, and this is, this is, this is also impossible. And this is, we'll probably get into this more with FSG as well, is actually to try and actually um, figure out what they really want from their football clubs, because you see what happens with a with Newcastle United, like they want Mike Ashley out. They want Mike Ashley out, no matter who's going to take over the club. So the idea that there's a a Saudi, a Saudi wealth wealth fund coming in, or Saudi Arabia behind, they're not that bothered about that. Manchester City's Manchester City's response to the ownership of the club, the Manchester City fans has been has been tribal. It's been what Daniel talked about, all those things because they've delivered success, and because uh, I it, it was very interesting that everyone felt, every supporter this week felt sort of. Liberated to attack their own club, um, because
3: uh because, I'm so used to know, defending them over the years, Dion, I'll Yeah, be but it, but,
2: <laughs> but everyone felt liberated. I think because everyone was attacking everybody, it was like, right, we could actually, and you know, maybe you don't want to get into this like you know, just what the subconscious was doing, but maybe those those fans who, who kind of know when they're defending. Uh, ownership models and owners that they aren't really defensible. Maybe this was a an opportunity to to let it all out. And and they let it all out. But then it was kind of no interesting sometimes you'd see in the mentions if if like a replies if uh if an Everton fan said something suddenly a little bit of tribalism would kind of get back into it. But that was something that was interesting about it. But I think that's what supporters need to do. What do they want from the I don't think they need to understand business first of all because i don't think uh, we don't we don't know there are so many different reasons why people are owning these clubs to actually say you must look at it from a business point of view no they need to look at it from what do they really want from this club because what a lot of fans ultimately want from a club is somebody who is just going to spend whatever money they can to make their club successful like that's the reality that's not business but
3: it's also not sport really as it should be either. It's funny, we've, to be honest, we've got so such a range of kind of viewpoints on FSG and and I'm going to come to you, Keith, because we're going to dive in a little bit on, on FSG and we've touched on them a little bit and, and and Daniel made the point about, you know, it's a series of apologies and I was weirdly only having this discussion with my son before, he's a nine year old and he was apologising about something and, and it, you know, if you keep doing the same things over and over again and, and apologising, the apology doesn't become as meaningful, it just feels like you're saying it to get out of trouble. I felt like there was a sense of that. And look, I'll give John Henry his credit. You know, no one else has stood up and and kind of done that type of apology. And and the thing that I did like before we get into the things maybe that we didn't is the fact that he took full ownership. So he kind of, you know, he he, he apologized obviously for, for hanging Klopp, the players disturbing the game. He uh, referenced Billy Hogan, as we said before, is it, is it fair to say though, for a lot of Liverpool fans and, I, look, I'll be honest, I include myself in this. I I still think FSG are, are good owners and we're going to come on to exactly what are good owners. And Dion just touched on it a little bit in a couple of questions time. But for you, is this kind of one apology too far? Um, because it kind of feels to me like they don't actually care about fan culture or traditions they don't, you know, they can get away with what they can get away with. And then when these annoying legacy fans stamp their feet and make a little bit too uh, noise, they'll they'll come in with their apologies.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's not a forced strike against them. We all know that um, yeah. it was touched on earlier, you know, the, the four low, the £77 tickets, the... Um, copyright name Liverpool those sort of things and especially look speaking from a Liverpool point of view at FSG they know that the likes of Spirit of Shankly you know they're, they're quite vocal for anything like that so it's not a case that you can sneak something like this in at Liverpool and expect to get away with it so they, they must have known you know there's going to be a blowback for this and it's not going to wash how many more times can they they make those mistakes and to me, this was one that I think they were expecting the obvious, they were expecting the the blowback from it, but they probably felt if we get over the initial bit of outrage here and we get this off the ground, and I don't just mean FSG, I'm, I'm talking about the, the whole lot of the the 12 clubs that were involved in this, we get over this initial bit of uh, moaning what a way we can get this set up. I just don't think they expected the level. I mean, going back to Liverpool, we had people calling for Bill Shankley statue to be removed from outside of Anfield. Yes. You know, you had all sorts of stuff going on, you know, and Gary Neville done a tweet quoting Bill Shankly with the socialism and all. And, you know, it, it's not that way anymore, but you can't have a socialist, you know, outlook and a socialist club, and want to be spending millions, you know, it's it's a hard one to balance. I think FSG, they knew there was going to be a bit of action on it, and they just felt, if we get it, if we can push it through, it'll be worth, the reward will be worth the risk. And know. it wasn't, you know, it was just one too many. It's another apology. It's John Henry coming out. You know, as we said there, um, he's not a football fan. You know, the Glazers aren't football fans. Stan Kroenke isn't a football fan. They're not, you know, the the Man City owners, I don't think they're football fans, maybe they are, I don't know, but, you know, they're not in it for the, the old fans, so they don't really care about fans, they want to push what they can. We only see it from a Liverpool point of view, but I'm sure other clubs have as many issues as Liverpool and FSG and John Henry. But I just felt, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people think it's one one too many. This is the this has pushed a lot of fans over the edge. That maybe were pro FSG and have now turned to maybe anti FSG. Where
3: do you sit on this, Daniel? Do you think that they've uh, they've ultimately damaged their reputation uh, beyond repair for for a lot of fans?
0: I mean, they, I'm I'm sure they probably have uh, as you kind of mentioned earlier that I'm also sure that there's a there's a huge spectrum of Liverpool fans. I think what it, it should at least do is it should remove that kind of facade that there is any genuine care there for supporters beyond their monetizing potential. That might be a really depressing thing to say but it's true and it's not just true at Liverpool. It's true of lots of clubs. We all like to think our clubs are special and they are. We also like to feel that our club owners care about us more than any any other club because that plays into a narrative that means we don't have to address the horrible fact that we're probably being emotionally blackmailed and exploited or every season. Now, our clubs give us things back and Liverpool won a Champions League and a Premier League title and that's a pretty effective way of giving things back. So I think some supporters will, th- will think Yes, I'm disappointed by this, but I would probably have traded in this disappointment. or I wouldn't have traded in this disappointment for a Premier League title and a Champions League title. And I certainly wouldn't have traded it in for what happened under Hicks and Gillette. Um, and there aren't, you know, there aren't a long queue of, um, you know, benefactors and billionaires with great intentions waiting in the wings because that just isn't the case. Um, but... I I actually believe this could be a positive thing in a way, if, depending on how you look at it. But it's very rare you get a billionaire on the back foot. And I think the six owners of those our Premier League clubs, the six billionaire owners who, who, who for the first time in a long time, and certainly for the first time simultaneously, are on the back foot. And so that provides us with an opportunity now um, to reinforce why we matter. Um, because I don't think, I, I can't ever be 100% confident they'll ever listen. But I'm I'm certain that they'll, they're they never more likely to listen than they are now because they they believe they owe fans something. Now, that might just be to regain good PR. might just be to get back in their good books. It might just be to kind of feel that their, their own positions are safer than they were two days ago. But that doesn't really matter. As long as fans get something out of this, it will be worth it.
3: Daniel, Daniel, am I living in cloud land? Uh, you know, to to try and convince myself that all of this means that we're going to go and buy Kylian Mbappe. as <laughs> yeah. a make good. <laughs> a man can dream, can't he? Henry um, Christmas has left it under the door, yeah. <laughs> Dion, I, I want to come to you because uh, you touched on something before about fans just want owners to spend loads of money. Um, one of the things that I've noticed a lot today is um, Liverpool fans saying, well, I'm done with FSG. I want, I want them out the club. Um, I think it's fair to say the grass isn't always greener. And when you look at the type of owners that could potentially come in to Liverpool, if FSG, you know, a lot of fans got their way and FSG were out, you know, what what type of owners could realistically step in to Liverpool? And I suppose the second stage of that question is, in today's game, what actually does make good owners? Because I I'd, I'd argue from my side that you know without the the deep pockets of a city uh without the deep pockets of necessarily a chelsea fsg have run a tight ship um if you want to say sell to buy others will say smart recruitment um you know they've they've been able to compete with the likes of manchester city without breaking the bank um i would say on the whole that is is good owners do you think that's not enough anymore now um no, I think I
2: think they have been pretty good owners uh, in that regard, in that they've managed to make Liverpool competitive. Well, I think Klopp has made Liverpool competitive, but they 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 hired Jurgen Klopp, and he made Liverpool competitive. And I think without Klopp, none of it would have happened. I know there are other people involved. I know there, are, uh, you know, Mike Edwards and the work he's done. But I I I believe in the when it comes to Jürgen Klopp, it's the great man theory of history. Like he changed, he changed things there in a way that nobody else could have, but FSG got him in. And Do you think it's fair, ma-
3: on to say maybe they've, their strategy has been uh, masked or the shortfalls in their strategy has been masked a little bit by Klopp's overachievements? Well, yeah, but that's
2: like, that's what he does. Like, that's what a manager does. Like I don't think that's, that's, yeah. Uh, you know, when people used to say Steven Gerrard is, Carries the Liverpool team, where he does like he's he was a better player than any of them. He was that's what but better players tend to do, they tend to, to go to to to, to master the efficiencies of other players in the side. Um, so Klopp ha- has possibly got, but I think they've been okay, like they've been decent owners. But it does come back to that question, like, and you touched upon it, Jamie, when you said, like, you know, sign Kylian Mbappe. If <laughs> if like Manchester City supporters. Manchester City's owners are deemed to be good supporters uh, of Manchester City by Manchester City fans. They have done a lot for the community. They have done an awful lot in all aspects of what you would would consider uh, to be good ownership of uh, of a club and what, what you want from owners within the community. But there are still... You know a lot of things you can huge question marks and huge moral issues with actually whether you want an ownership model and owners like that for your club. like that's a reality. So, but they will be defended to the hilt by Manchester City fans, some of whom may you may even hear this and then sort of abusing me on Twitter because you've suggested you've you know anytime you suggest that there may be some issues with Manchester City and their ownership, you get abused for it. They're that loyal to them. But they, they are seen, and I, I, I'm i not saying that if, if, if that happened with Liverpool, it would be the exact same. I don't think there's any... Uh... Introducing Force Factor Fundamentals. Exclusively at The Vitamin Shop. these men's health essentials have clinically studied ingredients like biopurine for enhanced absorption. Yohimbine, pine bark, and L-arginine can help you strengthen blood flow and heighten passion with doses that may bring you the results you crave. Now you can save 20%
0: on force factor including the fundamentals at The Vitamin Shop. Get these men's health game changers in your life at any The Vitamin Shop store or vitaminshop.com.
2: Anything special and different about Liverpool supporters that if uh, ownership model came in and they had connections to, you know, uh a uh, a uh, uh, a state of of questionable questionable human rights practices or whatever if anything like that happened but they were buying Kylian mbappe and they bought <laughs> uh and they 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 did the checklist they went through the card for you um they they will be defended to the hilt as well so Just like, look at luis
3: suarez what did luis suarez do to liverpool yeah luis well, suarez, then all was great, was suarez is a great ex-
2: yeah Suarez so is a great example of. So, what do you want from owner? And like, and this is where you get into uh, a quite a like a, a paralysis about what modern football is because there are no there are no good owners. Like as Daniel said, like the ownership model, the, the German model of fan ownership, that isn't going to happen from here. So, uh, do you want? Do you want? owners who are actually going to try and sustain it as a business, which FSG have done and which being as kind to them as you could be is what prompted this move because you look at what John Henry has said about financial fair play. You look how much emphasis they wanted put on that at at UEFA level and how that hasn't really happened. So you being kind to them, you can see why they would feel that this is the only way. And because it is an American model that they're familiar with um, that this is the thing that they need to get done to run a sustainable business. So do you want another owner coming in? If FSG go that follow that model, it probably makes you ultimately feel a bit better about yourself than the, uh, than the, the, the moral conundrum of, of, of certain types of, uh, of of benefactors, but it, I don't think there there are any simple answers. And I also do think, as well, going back and I, I, obviously, things are changed, and it is it is more garish and more depressing now. But I wonder, like ownership and the people who ran football clubs, people were always being taken advantage of by the people who ran football clubs, mm-hmm. but it it just happens to be like you know 60 70 years ago it was the players who were being taken advantage of uh it's just it's just gone global like there's more people to take advantage of in a global game but like you know, you go back 60 years to like tom finney and these people being told you can't leave yep. you know you you can't leave you italy want you know torino want to sign you why do you want to go there tom you stay at <laughs> preston you know like players were players were suppressed by 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 chairman and owners um and they took it they didn't need to take advantage of fans because there wasn't that they didn't care about fans though. They didn't they didn't have any they didn't they may have been local people so they might have had to engage with them, but they didn't care about the supporters. Clubs weren't <laughs> they weren't you know, the facilities weren't a thing. So uh there's always been an element of getting away with what you can get away with in ownership. Uh it's just bigger and, and worse now. But um I don't know where you go for our,
3: there's there's no why there's no there's no there's no good guys. Steve uh, Steve Thomas sends in a super chat. Thank you, Steve. He says, "LFC fan for thirty plus years, but I'm done with top level football after this. The game became too cynical, and we all know at time to support my local club." It, it's funny you say that, Steve. I've been having this emotional battle with myself all season. Keith will know I'm moaning in the WhatsApp group uh, pretty much daily at this stage. Whether it was VAR, like, look football was a game that wasn't broken and we're doing a very good uh, uh, impression or job of trying to 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 break it um whether it's var um the, the shit show that is var whether it's no fans in stadiums. Then you've got all this nonsense, and um, I just feel like it's been an emotional battle for me this season. I didn't actually recover, and I say this probably in you know, every third podcast, so I really do need to stop. I didn't actually recover from the game at Goodison Park. Uh, whether it was uh, the Henderson goal being disallowed, like of all the players that I wanted to see score a derby, a derby goal, a derby winner, it was Jordan Henderson to have that taken away. The Van Dijk incident. Everything about that game. A little bit of me was lost as a fan. I'm just hoping that we scrap VAR. Uh, we scrap VAR. We get fans back in stadiums and we can start enjoying football again. But I do like your point, Steve, about supporting your local club. I spent a number of years at playing non-league, and they could certainly do with uh, they could certainly do with the support. Go for a pint get a bag of chips, uh, have a good chat with the players after the game and get yourself home for a five. You can't go wrong. Now, uh, Daniel, I want to come to you, uh, on the last topic before we wrap up, because we said we keep it for uh, keep it to an hour. We know you boys have been busy over the last few days. So we'll try and wrap it up. Um, how do we fix this mess? And I'm not saying, you know, you're going to sit here and have all the answers. Um, but it has been a ticking time bomb when you look at finance, uh, the, the finances within football. Um, there's been, to- well, look, there's been lots of suggestions over the last 24 hours, whether it's talk of adopting the 50 plus one rule uh, that's been used in, in the Bundesliga. Um, there's been talk of salary caps, government legislation that we touched on before. Where Where do we start on trying to get to the bottom of this mess?
0: Yeah that's the right question where do we start i think because how do we fix I, I i don't think there are possible answers to that now i think football is became a very willing participant in in rampant capitalism and rampant commercialization and i don't think you can walk back down that road and and honestly i don't think football would want to in a kind of majority view but we can start to wrestle things back i believe as i said I said earlier it's 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 in it's unique that we will have these club owners on the back foot to such an extent that we might be able to implement some of this stuff. Now, on a personal view, I would I would roll back the the Champions League proposals, the Swiss model proposals, because I think they're awful. Uh, I don't think they're as bad as the Super League, but I think that's probably only because they're presented in a more glossy catalogue. Uh, I think they're dreadful, so I'd, I'd roll those back. Um, and yeah, supporter representation is is a thing for me um if even if it's a you know let's say a 10 percent representation on a board so that any future owner and any current owner has a year to to get it in place that means that fans have an ultimate say so so you don't get the mk dons wimbledon model you don't get a club just being walked off into the sunset or thrown into the sea um that would be huge. That would be a huge victory, it really would, because we are talking about things that are very, very hard to implement because by the very nature that they own the clubs, they also wield the power. Um, so it, it's it's not easy and I think it will take legislative um, enforcement. I don't think you can rely on goodwill with, with these people because I think we've already proven from what we've talked about that just doesn't work. So I really, really hope this fan-led government review gets involved. I would encourage everyone to join their supporters trust. That's the great way of getting your view across. It's very easy for us, you know, to moan about things and and that helps us blow off steam and it helps us kind of cope with it and it helps us kind of watch games again without getting angry. But there are things we can do now. And the, as I say, the last 48 hours have shown that protest and outrage can make a difference and it isn't just empty and that's a really really positive spin on what's been a pretty horrible two days.
3: Where do you sit on it, Keith? What's the answer?
1: It's because like, you can't put the genie back in the bottle once you've let it out. You know, um FSG sold 10% of their um umbrella group for 450 million, you know, so the values there grew by 4.5 billion you know it's the 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 german model of fan ownership it's just it's not going to happen it's you're dealing in, in too too much money you know it's i think fan representation is right but is it just a token gesture is it paying lip service maybe i, mean, I, I don't know if anyone knows is tony Barris still involved at liverpool he was meant to be a, a sort of liaison between and liaison, yep. between management and, and fans. I don't know if Tony still does that. He's um, probably busy. <laughs> He's yeah. Busy. <laughs> the phone's turned <laughs> off. He's had enough. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I, I don't know if it's just more of that and more. Um, The, the thing with FSG, speaking from FSG, they're not visible. They're, they're never at Liverpool. Mike Gordon is, is maybe the most visible, but you don't hear from him. You know, the... If they're not going to be there and they're entrusting it to, you know, Mike Gordon and Michael Edwards, it's, they, they need something, whether it's Tony Barrett, whether it's more people doing that. You have to be careful what you wish for as well. You don't want too much fan involvement and the overall, um, members model that I've seen mentioned for ownership. I mean, you don't have to look at Barcelona, you know, they're not exactly, um, the, the cleanest of clubs either, you know, so there's a, a slippery slope there. I just think it's, it's gone past. I don't know what reform can be done in football. So England is one thing, the Premier League, the government can bring in some legislations and just look at the, the Premier League. But, you know, salary caps is that that's not going to work. You've got players earning like, where, where do you set the cap? Do you know what I mean? Like you, the best players are earning 400,000 a week. You know, is that the cap? that's the fine cap for 90% of the league. You want to attract the players in. So it's similar to when the Premier League changed their transfer window date and nobody else changed their transfer window date and they just handicapped them. You know, they could be doing the same. They could be doing the same with imposing um, wage caps So it needs to be done at a higher level than just England and I don't know what the answer is it's it's just too I think it's gone too far I think it's too too much money is involved now that I think um, just getting listening to fans and taking it more in is the only way to get over the current crisis but long term I think it just goes back to the way it was I think you have too many sharks in there trying to take bites out of poi. do sharks eat poi? I don't know
3: I know where you were going with that, mate. Don't worry. You think we all did, and I want to yeah, come man. to you, come come to you to finish, Dion. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What have What have you learned from the last few days? <laughs> um, there's no good I, guys. Well,
2: well, what have I learned? That what I would say is that, um, I and this this actually goes back to what I was going to say. If you asked me, what would I do? I think that sometimes, like Keith said about it being a token gesture if there's a fan representation on boards, I think some tokens and and fig leaves, like when you talk about the, the European per- football pyramid, like one of the things I felt about it was this is just a fig leaf, this doesn't exist. But actually when you see it being taken away, you think that fig leaf is kind of important all the same. Uh, and it's the same it's the same with this idea that the fans on the board would be token representation and they could be bypassed or they could be whatever. They're still there. They're still there. They're still a nuisance. They're still, they're still a presence if they're put there that can maybe at some point just be a nuisance. They may never stop anything and everything may be done uh, around them. They might, you know, the, whatever. And it's, it's the same for some of the ideas of football because it is, um, you know, it, like the idea that we're going back to the status quo, and I would say about like the the, the idea of the no bad guy, like they're all bad guys. I think what's what was so bad about the Super League was it actually made all the other people look like good guys. You know, that wasn't the thing. It wasn't that they're all equally bad. This was so badly executed and such a bad idea that it actually allowed everybody else to look like like good guys. Now I didn't agree. Sky Sports saying the good guys, someone else says the good guys have won. Maybe the supporters can fit into that category, but nobody else. But they were allowed to look like that. But it did it just it kind of emphasized to me that some of the things that I would be kind of cynical about and and I would have been cynical about even as this was unfolding, the idea of uh the football pyramid and the idea that these things are actually re- you know, real because you know it's just it's a romantic notion, the idea that you know that you can actually journey through uh through the divisions and through the leagues, but they do, they do have some meaning and they do have some purpose. And, uh, that's the one kind of positive thing I would take from it. And then, but I think if we're, if we're back in the status quo, um, we'll all be back in the status quo. And I'm always very wary of these huge outpourings of motion where people say in any kind of situation, things are going to change from this because, um, a lot of times people pretty, it's like, you know, be kind or something like this on, on you know, on Twitter. It's like that. Like this is, this is. Starting this from some, now.
3: Yeah, starting yeah. from now, be kind. Yeah. <laughs> this has to be, this
2: has to be something. You, Daniel's right. Like this, this moment can't be wasted. And like, it has to be utilized somehow. And and I think if it is that you have fans on boards and that would be, would be a start and it would be some progress.
3: Uh, just to finish, Danny sent in a super chat. Thank you for that. Let's be fair, lads. Uh, FFP was never about leveling the playoff field. It was always a way of stopping the so-called new money from competing. And I think uh, the the, the um, inability of FFP to 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 kind of continue to do what it was meant to set out to do is probably one of the reasons which driv- uh, drove. FSG to look for new investments and and, and maybe explore different avenues. So uh, fair point to finish on now, uh, gents. A couple of couple of housekeeping bits just to finish on. Uh, I know we're we're now up for the hour, so I don't want to keep you any longer. A couple of things to call out before we wrap up. Um, if you have articles opinions stories that you want to share on our website please do send them in to lfcdaytrippers at gmail.com and we'll get them up on the website right away and we also now have the discord group um i think it's up around 300 400 members now um the chat is popping every single day the link will be in the description below so sign up come and get involved it's like twitter but without the shouting and abuse so it's definitely worth checking out um subscribers don't forget we are fast approaching 10k youtube subscribers when we hit that milestone we will be giving away a playstation 5 with fifa 21 to one of our subscribers so please do subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends to do the same uh, finally shout out to footballprizes.co.uk if you want to win the signed and framed jordan henderson montage which includes the replica champions league medal it's only £4.95 to enter There are 66 tickets available and the offer ends next Wednesday. So do go check it out. That's enough from us. Big thanks to Keith daniel and dion for their time it's very much appreciated it was an absolute pleasure thank you to everybody in the live chat your comments as always have been brilliant and they really do help make the show um if you could also leave a comment underneath this video to let us know what you thought of the show what you'd like to see more or less of uh, we'll make sure we get to that in the coming weeks so with that that's enough from us i hope everybody has enjoyed the show look after yourselves, stay safe, and we will be back with you next Wednesday on the Midweek Fix. All the best.
0: So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit
3: for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be
0: great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you.
1: Select styles ends May
2: 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.
3: Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov/eIP to see if you need to file a tax return, and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov/eIP, produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.